After another thrilling week in the NFL, we are back for episode five, and this time we're on all streaming platforms. That's right, if you're listening on Spotify, Apple Music, Google Podcasts, Anchor, whatever, you're here, you found us, and we're going to be here in the future. Of course, today we're going to be recapping week 10. We're going to cover the NFC East with a special guest calling in Keck Bergang. You're going to want to hear from him. Some power rankings in a brand new segment that you're going to have to wait and see. And of course, our three best bets at the very end that we're going to give you to make some free money. Let's get right into it. All aboard. This is the North Shore Station. Welcome to the North Shore Station, episode 5, week 10 just happened. I know I said last week, but I can't believe we're already here. And today on the podcast, we're very excited to have a recurring guest, Keck Birdgang from Twitter. Keck, welcome back. How are you doing? How'd you enjoy this weekend's NFL action? I'm doing good, boys. Thank you for having the show again. Um, this weekend was, was different. Uh, for the Eagles' sake, you know, being a fan, suffered a, a loss to the Giants for the first time in, in a couple years. We saw Drew Brees go down with an injury. It was it was a relatively dry weekend, I feel like. But then I, again, we saw some some different things happen I haven't seen before. I would disagree. I think there were a lot of close games. I think there are a lot of unpredictable things that happened. We'll just start with the game of the week here. The Bills going to Arizona, facing Kyler Murray. Some people are calling for Kyler for MVP after the game-winning touchdown that he threw to DeAndre Hopkins, walking it off in Arizona. They win the game. Keck, I'm just going to ask you, do you think Kyler should be in the MVP conversation? Yeah, definitely. Um, I Honestly, I'd have him as my favorite to win it. I mean, it's tough between him and Mahomes because if you compare Kyler's numbers this year to Lamar's, what was it? It was Kyler's first eight games versus... Lamar's first eight games last year, and Kyler's numbers are way better. And, like, it kind of just shows you how much Kyler is going like, under the radar. And, like, I feel like he's deserving of more attention. And Sunday was a big game for him because, you know, that Hail Mary to Hopkins for the win, that gave him a lot more, you know, recognition. And now he's up there for the MVP debate. So I'd say he's probably one, two, or three, depending on who you are and how you feel about, you know, Mahomes, I guess – I guess Russell Wilson and Josh Allen, so. I mean, Russell Wilson has really slipped off. We'll get into that game later. But I don't know if I'm buying this Kyler Murray for MVP just yet. I mean, he turns the ball over a lot. He did have that one sensational play, but is this really the most valuable player award anymore, or is it just the most recent best thing, the most, the newest biggest <laughs> thing in the league? I, I think we'll, we should just name it the Recency Bias Award if Kyler gets the award this year, because I think there are players who are more valuable to their teams than him at this point. Lucas, what do you think? I mean, I agree. I think right now he's the talk of the league because he plays like not a lot of people do. Um, he's got a different type of style in throwing in his running. Just the way he runs is different than anyone else. Uh, but, I mean, his stats speak for themselves. He has 17 passing touchdowns. Like you said, eight eight interceptions, not a, not a great uh, 
turnover ratio. But the thing that stands out to me is his rushing yards with it and his rushing touchdowns. He has 10 touchdowns. So 27 total touchdowns. He's he's doing a lot for this team. Uh, I, I think that because they got DeAndre Hopkins and Christian Kirk is really settling into a really good role, that that's why he's been able to do so well. So I think to look at the weapons he has around him, is one thing that you have to consider when there's an MVP race. In the veteran presence of Larry Exactly. Fitzgerald. He has a lot of weapons around him. He has a lot of presence. Chase Edmonds, like we've talked about, has had a really good year. So I don't know if he's MVP. Uh, it would be interesting to see what another uh, quarterback could do with this team. But I, like you said, he's he's having a great, great year. Um, and, you know, he, he's definitely in the conversation. I, I could see him being in the conversation, but I feel like – if he did, if Kyler Murray didn't make that play today, we'd be talking about Josh Allen yeah. and his potentially game-winning drive and him being in that MVP conversation. I just think we're getting a little, little ahead of ourselves right now. I think Mahomes is easily the front runner right now. Camden, do you agree with me? Who do you think should be in the MVP talk? Uh, well, that's what I was going to say. I do think Kyler Murray is in the MVP talk. He is having a great season. But like you said, uh, how we're talking about that play, yeah, Kyler had to put it on the money, but D-Hop has to go up and get that yeah. over everything no. else. So. Even though Kyler put it on the money, catching a ball in triple coverage is not every receiver is going to do that. So having D Hop yeah. and Larry Fitz like that is helping Kyler Murray out mm-hmm. to put him in that MVP race. Yeah, I agree. Ken, were you going to say something? Yeah, um, I kind of feel like you know how like second year quarterbacks recently are like having a really good like that, that sophomore year is like the breakout year, mm-hmm. and so. It was Wentz in 2017, it was Lamar last year, now it's Kyler this year, and Mahomes is in his second year as well. So it's kind of like that second-year quarterback, you know, their young star that's, like, rising to the occasion. I feel like they have the edge because they're that new emerging star, so I feel like they get the benefit of, like, being like the next the next uh, face of the league, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I understand, but that that's why I kind of don't know if it should be the most valuable player anymore. It's really just the new big thing, the new star of the league, I think. But we talked about this. I think that was the most exciting game of the week, easily. Let's go and talk about probably the most boring game of the week, Texans versus Browns, 10-7. Low-scoring affair in Cleveland. Horrible weather, so you can't really blame them. Uh, my, my biggest takeaway from this game really was Baker Mayfield's quote that Miles took the approach that real G's move in silence like lasagna. What does that even mean? Oh, that's a little. That's a little Wayne lyric. That's a little Wayne uh, lyric. Yeah, I love it. Okay. I, I like that. I kind of like it. But coming out of his mouth, not as I don't like it as much as coming out of Lil Wayne's. Yeah, no, definitely a senior quote right there for some people out there. I know. I know one of my friends in high school. That was his. Yeah, no, I, I think it's right though. I mean. Miles just took that approach. You know, he's got to go and uh, do his work. And he only had one sack. Honestly, he was robbed because it was considered a half sack. I don't know if you actually mm. watched the play, but it was completely his. And then Sheldon Richardson, you know, shoved Deshaun Watson over and helped it out and got the half. So I kind of felt bad for Miles that he got robbed for that. But like Baker said, yeah, Miles is taking over. I think he's still definitely in the conversation for uh, Defensive Player of the Year. I definitely. think two weeks ago before the bye kind of hurt him when he got hurt against the Raiders and we got carved out, but he's still a freak. He's still one of the greatest players in the league right now. And I think he's leading with sacks right now. T.J. Watt and Eric Donald right behind him. Another huge uh, player who we haven't seen that much, who was injured for the last four weeks. He wasn't quiet. He was hurt. But Nick Chubb, he came back, and he gives the Browns their only touchdown. I think having him might be the reason why they won. That run game is the real deal when he's there. Well, yeah, we were talking about the run game a lot with him and Kareem Hunt. 
uh, this week. And, you know, we talked about Kareem Hunt's a really good uh, running back option, and he's really good, but he looks a lot better when there's Nick Chubb there too. They both had equal 19 carries, and they both had over 100 yards. And we talked about uh, – I talked about with some of my friends from Cleveland, you know, he having another guy there to take a little bit load off Kareem Hunt makes him better. He's more explosive each carry that he gets. And same thing with Nick Chubb. When they both – can be in the game and get 19 carries a game it's they're going to be explosive on each and every carry and to to prepare for two guys who are going to run that hard every single time they get the ball it's a scary thing for defensive coordinators Mm -hmm. they they really do complement each other what do you think of baker's performance i thought he played well actually Uh, i think i think he took care of the ball like i like usual i don't like to see any interceptions from him and again like like against the raiders he took care of the ball no interceptions uh, 12 for 20, not too bad, 132 yards. He just did what he needed to. I think, like we said, the met- the weather wasn't good. He was, he had to be a game manager in this uh, in this game and make throws when he had to. And, you know, he missed some of them. We talked about, you know, like every throw just seems to be a little bit off. And there was a lot of those uh, in this game where it was like that could be an, a completion and that would probably be a touchdown. But he, he didn't play bad enough for it to – make us lose obviously but I wouldn't say he played good enough for us to win against a team that would have played better if you know what mm-hmm. I'm trying to say if, if the Texans would have played better we easily could have lost I mean we only put up 10 points it could have been 17 but Nick Chubb was smart at the end of the game ran out of bounds but I had him in fantasy this week. oh I'm sure a lot back. of people were very mad I know my roommate Using was my mind my roommate was doing the same thing I didn't really understand it because wouldn't they have gone up two scores or that's what I thought but so I mean, he also went out of bounds, too, so the clock should be rolling. Yeah. Like He should want the clock to be rolling, so why would you go out of bounds? Yeah, I've heard a lot of that this week. But, I mean, it is smart. The Texans used their last timeout, so they didn't have any more timeouts. There's 56 seconds left. Two knees ends the game. So Just give him no you chance. Know, yeah, take away any shot, any shot. You know, Also take away any hope for their, his fantasy owners. But, you know, I think it was a smart play in the end. Kendall, I'm going to direct this question at you. What do you think has happened from the Texans? At the beginning of the season, some were considering them AFC championship contenders, and now they're towards the bottom five, bottom ten in the league. What has happened to them? Is it just coaching? I think, I mean, yeah, I believe Bill O'Brien was a huge issue. They got him out, but ever since he was fired, nothing's really changed. Um I think trading Hopkins was was probably a massive, you know, a massive loss for them, and that was like their focal point of, of their offense. And so, that kind of took away one of Watson's favorite targets. I mean, he has Cobb, he has Cooks, he has Fuller, but not much is changing on that offense. That defense is horrible. Watt can't stay healthy, and so that defense is troubling for them. And Duke, uh, not Duke Johnson, David Johnson hasn't turned out to be the guy that they traded for. So. I mean, a lot of it was, problems down there in Houston. It was clear that David Johnson was on his last legs in Arizona. I, I don't understand why anyone would want him as a starting back in the league. Yeah, but, that was that was one of the worst trades and probably in the history of football, and it showed on Sunday because yeah. Hopkins is over there making plays in Arizona and David Johnson's out on the bench and crippled. <laughs> exactly, and you mentioned J.J. Watt. Let's talk about some other Watts, Derek Watt and T.J. Watt. Well, mostly T.J. Watt. He was tormenting Joe Burrow on Sunday. He had two sacks. That puts him right behind Miles Garrett for the sack lead. It was just pure domination from the start to the finish. And honestly, I think Ben is more worthy of that MVP talk than Kyler is. 
I don't know about that. Thoughts on that? I don't know about that. Let's hear it. I know some people don't like uh, putting Ben in that conversation because – it's, it's just hard to look at a guy like Kyler Murray and see, like, a crazy good athlete who's, what, 23 or however old he is, and then you look at Ben and he just looks like someone's <laughs> uncle. So I think that's one thing that holds him out of the MVP race. But, I mean, you look at his stats and you look what he's done for this team. I mean, they're undefeated. That speaks for itself. And, I mean, his stats this past weekend were really good. And this team is just so much better when he's in there. I mean, I think – even though, you know, some people might not consider him an MVP candidate, if you put Mason Rudolph in there, like you said, Dom, they're probably not going to win this game against the Bengals. Like, although Burrow and the Bengals didn't look great, still, I, I, I still think that. Yeah, I think that was a game Pittsburgh was definitely proving themselves. They know they came out slow and uh, asleep, essentially, against Dallas, and they realized we need to show the hype that we're getting right now. We need to show that we deserve this hype for being undefeated. And I think this is a good time because there are a lot of Tomlin trap games. These three stretch of games, Cowboys, Bengals, and now Jaguars, I don't know. Maybe there will be no trap games. If, if we can go through this uh, up until we face the Ravens again, which I think is in after the Jaguars, I think we could go undefeated in the playoffs too and win the Super Bowl. That's just my thought on this team and the way Mike Tomlin is running this organization this year. I'm still having my prediction for the Steelers, uh, 15 and one. I think you're gonna slip up against Buffalo, mm. but uh, yeah, I mean, definitely getting past these two games of where the Steelers usually play down to their competition. You know, if you can get past the third one, I think you're, I think you're looking good. Yeah, Roethlisberger had four touchdowns, and this week he only practiced one day because of COVID scares. I mean, that should be acknowledged in the MVP talk. I feel like people always overlook this guy. Kendall, do you have any thoughts on the Steelers, Ben Roethlisberger, their defense, anything? Um, honestly, I think the Steelers are probably the best team in football. Um, people like to argue the Chiefs, but I'd argue the Steelers probably give the Chiefs run for their money. Um, I think that defense is that good to where they could probably shut down that offense, and the Steelers' offense can compete, and they're going to outscore. Uh, what I say I'll score, but they're going to put points up against that Chiefs defense. So I think the Steelers are a very good team. They're no fluke. Um, I don't know about Big Ben. I think he's probably got maybe a year left. But, um, you know, if Ben can stay healthy, I don't know how, how his body's feeling because he's been banged up the last couple of weeks. But if Ben's able to stay healthy and that team's able to stay healthy, they're, they're legit. And they could probably – they're probably my favorite win the Super Bowl. Uh Earlier in the podcast, we had a question that said, if Ben wins the Super Bowl, would he come back? What do you think to that question? That's that's tough because I'd imagine if I was him, you know, you want to finish out on top, especially with the, with the injuries he's been he's been dealing with the past couple of years. Um, you know, I feel like, you know, at that age, you know, getting beat up, you have a lot of money. I feel like it would be best for him to go out on top. But if he feels healthy enough and he wants to come back for another year and make a run, I mean, go go for it. But if I was him, I would probably just call it and then, you know, just be happy with how he finished. Yeah, I agree that he'd want to go out on top. But I think he'd want to go on top as the greatest Steelers quarterback of all time. I think he'd at least <clears> want to tie Terry Bradshaw, at least try to tie Terry Bradshaw's four Super Bowl record uh, with the Steelers. So that's my thought on that. We'll go to the next game quick. We're going to go to the Seahawks-Rams game. What has happened to the Seattle Seahawks? 
What has happened to Russell Wilson? Is Pete Carroll's time closing in Seattle? Kendall, what do you think? Um, it's it's something else because you know they they seem like one of the best teams at NFC the first couple weeks. Like Russell Wilson was playing absolutely lights out. He was playing perfect ball. They would turnovers, putting up what, what was it like fifteen touchdowns in three games, something like that. That's mm-hmm. absurd. That's crazy. So and now he's he's that, turned the ball over ten times in the last four games. Yeah, and that's that's speaking that's speaking volume because he's not playing good ball, and along with their defense, he was just one of the worst and probably in the history of the NFL. Um, it's it's not looking good in Seattle. Um, that defense needs a lot of help. Jamal Adams hasn't really been producing to way to where they thought that he was going through, and so um, it's. A lot needs to be needs to be worked on in Seattle. I think they can turn it around because Russell Wilson is Russell Wilson, and you know he's brought to he's brought Seattle to two Super Bowls. You know, came up short in the one. So Pete Carroll is he's a good coach. I know he he's he can definitely turn it around. So I don't know. I think he's been getting exposed lately, especially on the defensive side, which was really a specialty early on. I think that defense is just getting shredded. With the loss to the Rams, they lose 23-16. to They drop from first to third in their division. Who ends up winning this division? How many uh, teams in this division make the playoffs? Lucas? I don't know. I think it's tough to look at right now because, as you said, they drop now, and they're not looking very good. The Cardinals are looking very good. The Niners are probably out of the conversation. Mm-hmm. And then the Rams this week with that win, that now they keep themselves in the conversation. So... It's a hard. It's definitely a hard division. Um, I think the Cardinals are probably going to take it, in my opinion. Uh, I think they're playing really good, and especially off a play like that. I mean, how do you not take that and just, like I said about the Steelers, just feel invincible kind of where it's you're in the clutches of defeat, like you're definitely going to lose. You just, whatever, DeAndre's probably up there somewhere. He goes up and catches it. How does that not make you feel invincible and, you know, push your team to a late season run so and they'll be playing the Seahawks this upcoming week for the second time so that'll mm-hmm. be a must watch game let's just go through these next two games pretty quick Dolphins versus Chargers Dolphins win their third straight with Tua they win 29 to 21 exactly a year after Tua's almost career ending hip injury it's really inspirational but I think the true story of this team is Brian Flores and how he has full control of this team and how each week they win with Tua is a full team effort to get the victory. Brian Flores got that team under control, and then I think Tua is, I mean, he was being uh, put out of that conversation with Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert, but I think he's right there in the middle, if not at the front of that right now, being 3-0. I agree because the key part to rookie quarterbacks having success is being in a good organization, and it actually looks like the Dolphins are a good organization now. After just last year, every player won and out of that organization within the first four weeks, three weeks. Yeah, yeah. so that was. Uh, well, I'll tell you what, Miami with that win, that that really makes the AFC playoffs an interesting thing to look at yeah. right now. I mean, when you look at the Browns and the Titans at six and three, looking from the outside in, mm-hmm. that's uh, that's a really tough division, or excuse me, really tough conference to get in. When they're both six and three, like I said, the the Colts, Raiders, Dolphins. Ravens, Browns, and Titans are all 6-3 and three right now, so it's going to be really interesting in these it, next couple weeks. It is going to be a thrilling concluding six, seven weeks in the NFL. A really shocking game that I thought was the Patriots 
bouncing back with a victory over the Ravens, 23-17. to I think the key for the Patriots to victory in this one was that they kept the ball out of Cam's hands, really. They just kept it to Damian Harris. They let him run all over that defense. Baltimore didn't look too good, and Lamar didn't look too good. Kendall, do you think that Lamar will ever win another MVP in his career? Honestly, I'm I'm on the side that that game, that was not Lamar's fault. Um, I think Lamar played good good ball. He had over 300 total yards, and um, – in that in that rain and those, those conditions, he played well. I think the the issue is for the Ravens is Greg Roman and his play mm-hmm. calling. I don't I don't like what's going on with more in that offense, and they have to surround Lamar with more weapons. Yeah. And so, I think Dobbins is a great asset, and you know Andrews is also very good. But Marquise Brown hasn't been the player that they were hoping for. Willie Sneed, you know, he's good, but like, I is mean, he? Do, Lamar do you needs want him something. to be number two? You know, so. If they get him weapons, you know, he might have a chance to be an MVP again. But until they, they get Greg Roman out of there, and until they get him more weapons, he won't be winning another MVP. Kendall said weapons. Uh, Willie Sneed is not going to cut it, especially with a quarterback like Lamar. Yeah, he can throw the ball, but he's not the best at it. So you're going to want to definitely put weapons around him to be able to make him look better. I thought it was really interesting that in the draft they didn't get more receivers. I know they helped get with, uh, help the offense with getting J.K. Dobbins, but they already had Ingram and Gus Edwards, who I thought were already a really good they could have running had back Chase combo. Claypool. That exactly. would have been terrifying with Lamar Jackson. They could have had Chase Claypool or I don't know what other receivers they missed on. But, yeah, they, they definitely could have helped their offense a little more because I think that was where they needed help was more on the outside rather than the running back position. So – Moving forward, I think signing Des Bryant was kind of a, a last-second uh, plea to try to help the receivers. But like you said, Kendall, I don't, I don't think the uh, Marquise Brown has been as good as they would have liked to see him. I don't know be. if they've been using him. That's enough. true as well, yeah. And yeah. Willie Sneed is, you know, he's all right, but he's Willie Sneed. He's nothing. <laughs> he's nothing spectacular. He'll get it done, but he's not. Uh, you know, he's not a Stephon Diggs or a, a top receiver in the league. Speaking of nothing spectacular. Last night's Monday night football game, Vikings at Bears. The Bears' offense is so bad. If they had even a half-decent de- offense, I think they'd definitely make the playoffs, but it's not looking good for them right now. Nick Foles gets hurt. He goes out in the cart. But the Bears' defense, like I said, looks amazing. They held Dalvin Cook to under 100 yards. That is super impressive because that guy has been on a roll. But as for the Vikings, they've been stacking wins. They look like they've got it back together. They didn't look too good at the beginning of the season. Now they got to work hard. They're hungry dogs. They're going for that spot, and they're looking pretty good. Yeah, seeing Kirk Cousins win on Monday night, being a Washington fan hurts because of the numerous Monday night football games that he has cost us. But, yeah, I mean, he's looking better in Minnesota now. And I like the question, should Matt Nagy's job be in question? Yeah, I don't know about that. I don't, I don't think so. I don't think he's had a quarterback – that has given him a fair shot to win. I agree with that. My question, though, would be what can the Bears do at this point to jumpstart their offense for this next half of the season where their playoff hopes are still alive? Kendall, do you have any uh, suggestions? Um, honestly, I don't I don't know what they can do. Um, Trubisky, when they traded up for him a couple of years ago, that was a huge question. Um, he's not accurate whatsoever. Um, Foles is very streaky. Times he looks very, very good, <clears throat> and times he looks, you know, like a backup quarterback. But 
it's tough because they don't really have any any you know game changers on offense. Um, Allen Robinson is really all they have, and that's it. And so when you just take him away from the game, it's hard to get the offense rolling. So I think for them, they try to get a spark with uh, what? Do they let uh, their offensive coordinator take the uh, the play calls? Is that right? I believe so. I I think that's what they did, but it still didn't do anything. Matt Nagy's play calling wasn't that much worse. Yeah, they tried to do that and try to get a change going, but that didn't really uh, change much. Um, I think Nagy's a good coach, but like you guys said, I mean, Trubisky and Foles isn't really a fair. I mean, they're they're both they both can be good when they want to be, but Nagy hasn't had a true number one quarterback, and so maybe. I say leave him in there for another year. Maybe get a new quarterback in this draft for free agency. Go get Jimmy Garoppolo or somebody, and give him a fair chance at at a you know moving forward. All right, that wraps up the week ten games that we wanted to talk about. But let's just jump right into it. It is the NFC East watch. This week might be the most exciting NFC East watch because we're here with the diehard Eagles fan, Keck Bergag, and they lost by ten points to the dreadful, the horrible, the ugly, Daniel Jones and the New York Football Giants. Kendall, I'm just going to let you take this one away. What are your biggest takeaways from this game? It was it was bad. You know, for, for the Eagles off of bye week, they had two weeks to prepare for this game. And to come out that flat on offense and defense, it's just inexcusable. Um, you have two weeks to prepare for a two and seven New York Giants team and a team that's led by Daniel Jones and to come out that bad it's it's there's nothing can justify can can justify that um Doug Peterson had a horribly coached game his name's Mr. 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 Unlimited um Carson Wentz played turnover free football and he sticks to the game plan and absolutely nothing happened you know, I think Wentz's best ability is to, you know, scramble out the pocket and improvise. And that's where, like, you know, there's those big plays happen. But when he's told to know, to, you know, like, limit those plays, stick to the game plan, that's when that's when Wentz is, he's just, he isolates himself and he doesn't do much because he's, he's so afraid of turning the ball over and he doesn't want to make those mistakes. But he has to do that now because he's has so many turnovers. And so... That defense was horrible. Offense could not move the ball. 0 and 8 on the third down. That's just pathetic. So, actually 0 for 9 on third downs. Yeah, it was it was just that bad. And then um, I I don't know if the issue is the defense because they didn't look good. They gave up 382 yards, five and 5.7 yards per play to the Giants. I mean, the Giants came into this game second to last in yards and points scored, and coming off a bye, they come out that flat against the Giants, that's that's really pathetic. But as for the coaches, I mean, Doug Peterson, he went for two when he was when he could have uh, been down by three with just the extra point. Yeah, that man, that man's ego is to the roof. He, he's so into analytics, and he, he wants to, you know, be like that different coach, you know, that coach, you know, sort of like, you know, Sean McVay, he kind of came into the league. Yeah, he's trying different. to be Sean McVay. He wants to be someone who he's not, and that you just cannot do that. Going for two there, it was, it was a, I guess it was the right move, like, just I guess, to win like the analytics, game? but, like, it was in the right move by, like, 0.2%. In reality, take your extra point, make it a three-point ball game, and go forward from there. 
don't don't get fancy don't try to do this and that just stick with the flow of the game and get your point and then go back so you think the logic there was just to not risk going into overtime at all and like being screwed yeah. over by luck yeah because when you know divisional ball games are always so close and last year they went into overtime with them and so i think he just was trying to avoid you know having to go in that situation of overtime but wins are they don't come easy in the nfl if you have to go in the overtime you know sacrifice you know the uh, the chance of losing okay but now you're putting your team in a bad position to where you're down four points and you need a, and you need a touchdown you know a field goal is not going to get you a tie so it was a questionable move for sure yeah, I think points are scarce in the NFL, and that's what a lot of people don't recognize enough. And you got to take them when you get them. Like that's why I never understand when it's the first or second quarter, and someone's in first and goal, and then it gets to fourth and goal, and they'll still go mm. for it. And it's a tie game. It's like points are scarce in the NFL. You got to get them when you can. And it's a lot of it is about momentum too, and even getting those three points is a momentum shift. Absolutely. But one, it's not all bad for the Eagles because. Miles Sanders is a really good running back. Your rushing game is excellent. Do you think the rest of the season the Eagles will start to shift this offense, revolve it around Miles Sanders a little bit more? No, I do. I do not, actually. <laughs> it's just crazy because the the Eagles offense, rushing-wise, they were averaging 6.8 yards per carry. And you know what they didn't do? They did not run the ball. They continued to pass. Carson Wentz threw 40 times. What are you doing, you know? Like, I understand you're trailing, and you kind of have to pass to play catch-up ball, but stick to what's working. And Doug Peterson has been doing this all year. He's been passing the ball multiple, many times a game, and he's abandoning the run. So I hope Doug Peterson takes a hint and starts running the ball more often because Miles Sanders is having a great year, although he hasn't seen the field because he's been hurt sometimes. Mm -hmm. But when he plays, he makes plays, and you have to keep feeding him. Yeah, unfortunately, a really brutal loss for the Eagles. Their playoff hopes are still very well alive. Speaking of another NFC East team whose playoff hopes are still somewhat alive, they take another really, really sad loss. Alex Smith, oh, his first start. We really wanted to see him win there. Camden, what were your takeaways from this game? Uh, yeah, I don't even really want to talk about this. Uh, <laughs> I did mean, you, I mean, you... listen, that was a... That was a moral victory there. I mean, Detroit comes out, absolutely punches us in the mouth, go up 24-3. DeAndre Swift makes us look like little leaguers with 16 attempts, 81 yards, and then five receptions for 68 yards uh, and a touchdown. But uh, going down 24-3, especially against a team like the Lions, you can't do that in the first place. Props to Washington, though, for coming back. Alex Smith, whoever put here on the script, I can't watch Alex Smith play. I completely disagree with. Alex Smith is now proving he's the future of this team. Uh, No reason to go after a quarterback anymore. He's shown he's back. but So we get a field goal, and with about 16 seconds left, all we have to do is not allow them to get into field goal range. And Chase Young absolutely demolishes Matthew Stafford to put Matt Prater on whatever yard line that is to kick a 59-yarder. I mean, this is just a boneheaded play by Chase Young. I get it, you're young, but, I mean, the ball was five seconds out of – not five seconds, but, like, a good many seconds out of, out of his hands after he threw it. There's no reason you're hitting him right so, there. Yeah, it's a rookie mistake 16 there. seconds, you shouldn't even be rushing that crazy. You should just be – Here's why I say I can't watch Alex Smith play. 
Every time he drops back, I'm looking at that left leg, and I get scared. I get terrified. I don't even like seeing him stand on it. I, I can't watch him play. I don't like watching him play. But here's why I say it was a moral victory for the Washington football team. Alex Smith bounced back, maybe his best game ever in a loss. I mean, he had a career high in completions with 38 and in passing yards with 390. I mean, this is really impressive, and I think, like you said, he – I don't know if I agree that he's the future because he is getting old and he does have a I metal leg. Right now, he need he's the focus to yeah, yeah. be at quarterback. Like For, the draft is no longer in need of a quarterback. I well, think. No, I mean, I don't. I don't think so. Personally. I think. I think they I think, definitely need some. I think we can wait depth at, at the quarterback position another year. I'd have to say that, like I said a couple weeks ago, with the Brown, like a, a Brown situation where they need so many pieces they should probably build around alex smith right now let him be their interim quarterback almost let him ride out his last couple years while we get weapons around him and then when they see a guy who they really like in the draft like baker mayfield right because that was the browns guy but you know maybe someone a little more reassuring a little more uh you know a little more sure-handed um, once they see that guy that they want to plug in there that with the pieces around him, that's when they go for him in the draft. I don't. I don't think. I think too many teams draft a quarterback just because they need one, and it's not the right quarterback for them. Mm-hmm. Whereas I, I think that's what the Red, or excuse me, Washington needs to do is they should build around this team, make sure everything's uh, good, have Alex Smith play a couple years. Where obviously we've seen he's a solid quarterback. He can win games maybe if you know they keep it keep it going the way he's been the last couple of weeks. And, you know, then once they find their guy in the draft and they have the pick where, or maybe they want to trade up to get him, that's when you take him. You want to take the right quarterback. Well, I think uh, their best bet now is just taking best available player because I feel like no matter what position you get, it's going to help this team, Exactly. even if it is quarterback. I, I agree with building around Alex Smith, but I think we need to do it at the offensive line first before we go with wide receivers because yeah. Alex Smith is getting absolute. That's why he's throwing so many interceptions and we're having so many turnovers is because he's having very little time in the pocket, and especially with how defensive linemen are nowadays. I mean, good offensive linemen are getting dominated by these mm-hmm. guys. So, And like you said, they have yeah, the, formidable the receiver, receivers. Terry McLaurin, uh, Cam Sims, and Isaiah Wright can hold it down for now. I think they're both, they're young talents. I think they're quick receivers. I think, you know, I think they can definitely hold the receiver core down. I think wide receiver is definitely where. And I think defense is fine right now. Our secondary has been playing great this season. We've been getting run on, which is surprising to me seeing we have a top defensive line in the league, in my opinion. But I don't know. I think, again, like you said, best available player, any any person that we take is going to help us out. Yeah, I mean, Chase Young was obviously the right move to make there. They could have went with Tua. They could have went with Herbert. But that was definitely the ideal pick for them, especially with how bad that defense was struggling. Kendall, are you worried at all about the future of the NFC East and this scary young Redskins team? Not necessarily. Um, I don't think Alex Smith is that is – that- team's quarterback in the future um he looks good right now but you know he's he's has one leg you know he's getting older i can't imagine that's going to be their guy in a couple years if i were them I, again i would go out and go get one of uh you know trevor lawrence or justin fields and dom like you said that was that was a technically a win for them because they're trying to lose they don't not in any type of shape you know to win this year and um, make the playoffs so what they should want is lose games, be competitive, but you ultimately you want to get a young, talented pick. And so, 
but when their playoff hopes are still alive. Yeah, oh, I mean, man, uh, anyone in this division. So anybody. <laughs> Honestly, can go anyone in this street. division is yeah, they're all within one game. I mean, they're the all Eagles in the are, hunt with with a point two two win average. Yeah, the only reason the Eagles are right now in the lead is because they played one less game than the Giants, and that they had that terrible tie against the Bengals. So, I mean. When you look at it, and they're third right now in the division at two and seven, and the team above them are three and seven, I think they do still have a shot at the playoffs. Yeah, they honestly, I mean, might be my favorite team to win this division with the way Alex Smith has looked better almost every week that we've seen him play. Yeah, and I mean the schedule looks—it doesn't look too bad. Let me pull it up real quick. I mean, uh, when you're playing every NFC East yeah, team two I mean, times the, a year, we have the Cowboys again, uh, Steelers. That's probably going to be a tough one. Uh, Seahawks is probably going to be a tough one. But then, again, we have the 49ers. We have the Eagles. Uh, again, these are winnable games. So uh, I think it's going to determine whether You think other the Steelers one lose. is a winnable game? No. No. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, I said no. Okay. It might be the top one drop, though. We never that know. That could be. That could no, be. I don't think so. I, I think that's, that's going to be an interesting game, though, because that is the two front runners for comeback player of the year and Alex Smith and Big Ben. Yeah. I had yep. that discussion with my Solid. roommate the other day. Who do you guys think is going to win that? See, game? it's got to be Alex Smith because yeah. that is that's what I think, but I are they going to look at it for production yeah. because Big Ben's leading his team to 9 and 0 after coming off that injury. Alex Smith's team's 2 and 8. So it depends how, how you look at it, but Alex Smith was also had a dead. Uh, he was almost. He yeah. was a deadly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, now playing. How about we Alex both win? Himself. Ben wins MVP. Alex okay. Smith wins comeback Whoa. player. <laughs> I think if they look at it for the story, because uh, I, I know we all had a had a tear in our eye when we saw that video of Alex Smith walk out to his car or whatever that we saw on Instagram uh, a couple months ago, where he had the bionic leg mm-hmm. and his kids were cheering for him. I know that's a great story, but like you said, if we look at production, if Ben. Yeah, I mean, right now they're 9-0. and If he can take That's, them to the yeah. playoffs and be undefeated or just, you know, be a number one seed in the playoffs, and then if he wins the Super Bowl, I don't think there's any way he can't be at the comeback player of the year. Yeah. He didn't play last year at all. Mm-hmm. He played, what, one game? He played two games. Two he got games, hurt in exactly. his second or third. But, yeah, those were the NFC East games this week. Pretty exciting, pretty surprising, I'd say. Next week, Kex Eagles face Lucas's Browns. What are our predictions for that game, Lucas? I don't know. I, I think the Eagles' defense is better than the Texans. I think their front seven is better, so I don't know if we'll be able to have the same run game. But uh, but like I said, having Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt is a scary thing for those uh, the birds in Philly. So uh, it'll be interesting what that run game can keep doing. I like that Wyatt Teller came back for the Browns' offensive line this week. I think that was a huge huge piece that they were missing in the last couple weeks. I think he's one of the most improved players in the NFL, and he's been a huge piece for our offensive line. Uh, it'll be it'll be dependent on Baker and if he can take care of the football against a uh, not very good Eagles de- uh, secondary. So it'll be a lot on Baker, but if our run game keeps going and our offensive line looks as good, I, I got to take the Browns in this one. But Excuse me. I gotta take the Eagles because you know whoever I, whenever I bet against the Browns, the Eagles win. Or excuse me, the Browns win. So I gotta take the Eagles in this one. I like the Eagles, uh, but yeah, under the table, Browns. Kendall, what do you see happening in this game? I can see multiple things happen. Uh, Lucas, I don't know if you were watching the game on Sunday, but uh, Wayne Gallman, he had a pretty pretty damn good day. 
Uh, he was running all over the Eagles defense. Daniel Jones as well was too. So I don't know if you guys watched uh, Colin Coward, but like he always likes to talk about you know teams' identities, and the Browns' identity is running the ball. And Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb both had great days Sunday. So if they're able to get running the ball against that Eagles defense, the Browns will be they'll be sitting nice. But I think it's important for the Eagles to get Zach Ertz back because they brought him back off the um, the IR yesterday. But it's reported that they don't think he's going to play. But if he does play, I think that offense will get moving because teams focus on Ertz so much. They put at least two bodies on him. So that leaves the, the offense open for Goddard and, you know, other receivers like Alshon Jeffrey, Jalen Rager, and uh, whoever, whoever else it may be. So if Ertz plays, I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. If Ertz doesn't play, I think it's going to be just a Browns-dominant performance. I think this game will be competitive either way. Uh, but I think I'm going to go with the Eagles here. I feel wow. like uh, I feel like that running game on the Eagles side is actually better than on the Browns side. I think Miles Sanders is a more talented running back than Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb. Just my opinion there. I also think that Eagles-Giants game was super embarrassing for them. And like like we said, well, both these teams' playoff hopes are still very much alive. But I think the Eagles are hungrier at this point. So I'm going to go with the Eagles here. Camden, who do you like? Oh, I disagree. I'm going to go with the Browns. Uh, I think this is going to be a low-scoring game. Uh, I think Miles Garrett is going to eat in this mm. game. I think uh, Carson Wentz, little armadillo, oh. put his head down and duck style is going to hurt him. Uh, and uh, I, don't know about I, that. I have to disagree with you, Kendall. I, I do not like Zach Ertz at all. I do not see any reason for him to attract a double team whatsoever. I think, <laughs> I think Dallas Goddard is a much better tight end, but Ertz is old. You know, he was good back in the day. But I mean, if I'll be honest here, I, I actually hate Zach Ertz. I'm very, <laughs> I'm very, you know, I guess critical against him this year he's been bad this year but the thing is he gets he gets the face of the defenses you know they, they, they put bodies on him so if if he's able to take away two players you know safety or linebacker that's going to open the offense up for other receivers and that's going to you know hopefully spark the offense up a little bit has he blocked you on twitter yet i don't know how this dude zach Ertz, he's literally known to block like fans who you know who talk crap on him and somehow, some way, he has never blocked me yet. It's hilarious. <laughs> and then the other two NFC East games, Cowboys at Vikings, Bengals at Washington. We don't need much of a in-depth analysis of these games. The first one, Bengals-Washington. I like the Bengals. Lucas, who do you like? I like the Bengals as well. I think Burrow had an off week, uh, obviously, against the Steelers, and I think he's going to bounce back. And, you know, I, I think uh, – I don't know if you heard uh, the quote from earlier in the year from him about getting calls, but I just love his confidence, his swagger. He he got hit earlier in the year, and he didn't get a roughing the passer call, and he looked at the ref and kind of, you know, didn't give too much of an argument, but whatever. Then he looked at one of his linemen, and he just goes, you know, one day when I'm the GOAT, I'm going to get that call. <laughs> and I just love that. I love that confidence. I think he's, I think he's a baller. And uh, I like him. I think he's going to come out and play with a chip on his shoulder, like I always say about Aaron Rodgers in a bounce-back week. I feel like he'll probably do that and come back and have a good week. I completely agree with you. I think he's a natural winner, and I don't think he's experienced a loss like this for a very long time. I think that was really important for him moving forward in the NFL. I think he bounces back. I think he beats 
the Washington football team by double digits. Oh, wow. What do you think wow. about that, Camden? Uh, yeah, I disagree. Uh, <laughs> like Lucas said, both teams are hungry, but I think Washington is hungrier. I think they know that they are going to need to win games and they're going to need to win them fast here. And I think, again, this is a, a very winnable game. I think the Bengals' defense is lackluster, so I think we'll be able to you know, keep the pressure off of Alex Smith and get Antonio Gibson and J.D. McKissick going. So, yeah, I, I have Washington taking this one. Kendall, you like the Bengals or the football team in this one? Uh, I got the Bengals. Um, Joe Burrow hates losing. And so last week, like you said, it was a tough loss. And so going to go out on a limb here, I'm going to say that the Bengals win off a game-winning drive from Joe Burrow Ooh. and it's going to be another devastating loss for Alex Smith and the Washington mm. football team. Mm. Could be Joe, Joe Burrow's rookie of the year moment. The next game, NFC East, Cowboys at Vikings. I think we'll all take the Vikings here. They've been looking extremely hot lately. The Cowboys coming off a bye week after a really close loss against the Steelers. It was a good effort, and I think they'll look better moving forward, but I think the Vikings are actually a really good team. And I think Kirk Cousins is looking pretty good, so I like the Vikings here. Do you guys have the Vikings? I have to take the Vikings as well, but I think it'll be uh, I think it'll be something to look forward to to see who the Cowboys put in at quarterback. Uh, I think it's been two weeks now since Garrett Gilbert's played, and you know, kind of shocked the shocked the nation a little bit with almost beating the Steelers. So, I, I think Andy Dalton's probably coming back healthy by now, right? You so, think so? It'll be it'll be. Uh, but I feel like you got to roll with. Exactly. The boy Gary Gilbert That's what I was gonna forward. say. You know, he he had that good of a game against an eight zero team, or at that time it was seven zero. Um, you got to give him a shot. I mean, the offense looked better, as good as it has all year since they lost Dak. Uh, besides maybe that that game that they lost Dak, where Andy Dalton came in and threw like one good uh, ball to Gallup um, that put him in a, in position for a win. But I, I think their offense looked great that game, and I think they have to stick with him. So that, that'll be something to look to. But I, I still have to take the Vikings. Justin Jefferson's looking great. Adam Thielen and him are working together really well, just like him and Diggs did. Uh, Speaking of two feeling, touchdowns. we can't we can't do this podcast without talking about that catch he had. Did you see him move that yeah. ball? Oh, he's falling that was, down. That was very impressive. A, he's got some that's crazy a freaky ball skills. athletic move right there. Yeah, Camden, you like the Vikings? I'm assuming. Uh, I do. Uh, one reason I would never pick the Cowboys to win ever. <laughs> I don't care if they're playing Duquesne. They're not. I'm not picking the Cowboys. Uh, but yeah, for like all the reasons you guys said, uh, this game's in Minnesota. Uh, I think Dalvin Cook bounces back this week against uh, the Cowboys' shoddy defense. So, yeah, I'm going with the Vikings. And, Kendall, I know you got the Vikings, but tell, tell me what you're thinking about this one. So, the beginning of the year, I had Dallas winning this game with ease. And I think they're going to win, even without Dak Prescott. <laughs> Not even kidding. Wow, I love myself wow. from Garrett Gilbert two weeks ago against the Steelers. He looked like he was comfortable. And his first career start, I saw he, he seemed unfazed. And so I feel like this is a trap game for the Vikings, coming off a big win against the Bears. They're going to come out slipping. And I think if Andy Dalton plays, they have a, they have a great chance to win, I feel like. So you, think, moving, you think they have a better chance of winning? And they'll play well. So you think they have a better chance of winning with Andy Dalton than they do with Gilbert? Um, It's it's tough because Andy, he, he's looked he's – looked, very average, um, especially against the uh, the football team. He did not look any good, but that was also his first week with the with the uh, with the number ones. So if he has the playbook down and he's comfortable with these guys with uh, Amari Gallup and CD, 
I think they're going to come out and, and shock the NFL because the NFC East is wide open, and they have the offensive talent to make a run. So I wouldn't be surprised if Dallas won. And actually, I'm going to say they're going to win. All right, bold pick from Kendall. That concludes the NFC East watch. Thank you so much for joining us. You can find Kendall on Twitter at KeckBirdGang. He recently started a blog about the Eagles. So if you're interested in the Eagles or interested in football at all, it's a really good read. So go check it out. Go see what he's doing on his Twitter account and his blog. Thanks for joining us, Kendall. Have a great night. Thank you for having me. You as well. Moving forward with the show, we are going to skip the Twitter questions in the voicemail that we got this week. We will be pushing that back to next week. So if you send us a question, send us a voicemail, make sure you listen next week and it will be featured. I promise you. Sorry, this first half went on a little bit long, but we we covered a lot of stuff about week 10. So let's move on to our newest segment, which I'm calling today's top three. Today's top three that we're going to be talking about are the most iconic plays of all time. We're we're calling this today's top three because this is super relevant. DeAndre Hopkins, that insane catch. I think it should be up there with the most iconic plays of all time. I'm going to go first, then Lucas will go, then Camden will go. We'll give you three of the most iconic plays of all time. I'll go first. It isn't the most iconic uh, for a team, more as an individual and for the league. I think Odell's catch is the greatest play of all time. Maybe the most impressive athletic feat in any sport that I've ever seen. That catch is insane. He's got defenders all over him. They're hanging on, pass interference, reaches back. I mean, we've seen one-handed catches before, but that play is insane. You really can't understand how hard it is just by watching it. Lucas, let's hear your first iconic play that you got. Well, you know, coming from a Browns fan and just growing up watching sadness, I can I can put up so many bad plays for the Browns. You got Red Right 88, the drive, the fumble. You know, there's just so many bad plays in Browns history, so I'm going to stay away from that. But – the one for me that I have to talk about is Beastquake. I mean, Marshawn Lynch's first run against the Saints in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. I mean, you go into the the uh, the storyline of the game as well. The Seahawks were seven and nine. They were the first team with a losing record to win a playoff game in that wild card. The Saints were coming off a Super Bowl victory too, mm-hmm. which I really liked the Saints that year. And you talked about how impressive that is of an athletic play of that three fingered catch uh. by Odell. I think one of the most impressive things in football is when a guy breaks off a run like that. I mean, his beast quake, too, is almost just as impressive. But, you know, just the tiredness of running for mm-hmm. like that for 60 yards, throwing guys off you, zigzagging your way through the field, picking up blocks from the rest of your team, it's just something that as a football fan at heart, it just gets me excited. It gets my blood pumping. <laughs> it gets me out of my seat. So that was something that when I saw, I knew the second I saw it, I knew this was something that's, like, mm-hmm. insane. He threw the one guy off him like a man amongst boys. He looked like Billy Madison yeah. at playing I mean, dodgeball with the kids. Those <laughs> are grown men that he is just yeah. pushing, making them look like children yeah. trying to tackle He's him. getting that a block nuts. from Hasselback. He's yeah. looking crazy. And then, you know, the, the dive into the end zone, you know, where he holds the crotch. Just iconic. You've got to love it. So that, that's my that's HMD. one of my tops of HMD. all time. That's right. All right, Camden, what do you got? Uh, I'm going with Stephon Diggs' touchdown in the NFC Divisional round Mm. in 2018 versus the Saints. I think just as iconic as the play. I mean, every time I hear Diggs' sideline touchdown, I can feel the animosity on that field, and I wasn't even there. I mean, that arena – not arena, but that field erupted when he scored that, and it was just – I mean, and 
how you even let up that touchdown. And I, I think that's one play where we all remember where we were when yeah. it happened. Mm-hmm. Like, no one expected that to yeah. happen. It gives that's me right. chills just thinking about it. That Absolutely. play was nuts. Yeah. All right, for my second one, I'm going to have to give the Steelers some love here. I might give them love on my first one if it's still around, but first one I'm going to go off with is the San Antonio Holmes catch, Super Bowl 43. Big Ben Rothberger to the quarter. San Antonio Holmes reaches up, gets the two feet down, with less than mid to play, the Steelers win their sixth Super Bowl, iconic. And that's another one where I remember exactly where I was. I mean, I was a little kid. It's one of my first memories of football and kind of maybe where I fell in love with the, the game. Yeah, you know, about that play, I always I always hated that one because, one, you know, I hate seeing the Steelers win a Super Bowl. Two, I really wanted Larry Fitzgerald to win one. I mean, yeah. he had a crazy playoff run that year, and the Cardinals were looking really good. Um, and three, I don't know if it was a catch. Everyone always says it, Come on. but his one foot was on top of the other foot. So I don't know if I can agree with that was that was a catch or not. I don't know if he had both down. San Antonio Holmes, he I like him, Ohio State guy, but I'm always I'm just gonna be that stickler that yeah, you know, he didn't actually have his toes down, but whatever. Uh, I'll give you guys that one. Might get to um, see a rematch of that Super Bowl this year. I was just about to say that. That would be awesome. That would be an awesome Super Bowl. But sticking with the Cardinals, um, I, I'll say not as much one single play, but but a sequence of like four plays. And it's the Cardinals versus the Packers. I don't know if you remember this a couple years back, but Aaron Rodgers throws two crazy Hail Mary balls and sends it into overtime. And then the Cardinals get it. They don't even give him a shot because – Carson Palmer escapes a escapes a sack, throws it across the field to Larry Fitzgerald, and then you know he yeah. weaves in and out. You know, yeah. takes it down to the three. And like I said, you know, I really love Larry Fitzgerald. I really want to see him get one. That's one reason I'm really rooting for the Cardinals this yeah, year. Yeah, that play was awesome. I and think then he that's... finishes it off on the shovel pass as well. Mm. I, I knew they had to go to him to let him finish off that game. But just a complete insane series. I think that's still the highest scoring game of all time. I wouldn't doubt it. That was a crazy game. Insane series where two improbable Hail Marys mm-hmm. from the Hail Mary king himself, uh, Aaron Rodgers. Yep. And then, you know, Larry Fitzgerald just taking over. I love those he plays. Took over That's sure a crazy that game. game to me. Camden? Uh, the second one I'm gonna, second event I'm going to go with is uh, iconic to me. Uh, is 2013 wild card watching uh, RG3 go down for Washington against the Seahawks. It was just so heartbreaking because – we were on the come up. We were back in the playoffs for the first time in how many years? And then the reason why we're there goes down. And then we hear that he tear, tore his ACL and his MCL, and we just knew that it was going right back to the bottom again. And it was just – He was, was, just he was like, never the same. Yeah. It was just like we knew we weren't going to get the same RG3 back, and we didn't know what was going to happen with the team. And hopes were not up at that point. So Camden took this top three in a real depressing <laughs> route here. He went with a negative yeah. iconic play. I could give you a bunch – Jesse caught it, by the way. But my last one here, another Steelers one, I just had to. There's so many great plays that I wish we could talk about, but the Immaculate Reception. I wish I could have been there to see that. 1972, Franco Harris drops down, puts his hands down, and by a miracle from God, he picks that ball up, takes it to the end zone with time expiring. He's got his statue in the Pittsburgh airport. Iconic, iconic, iconic. They didn't win the Super Bowl that year, but it kind of set the tone for the rest of the 70s where they won the their four Super Bowls. Lucas, what's your last iconic play? 
I'll be a stickler against the Steelers again and say, you know, there's no camera angles where you can't see that the ball hits the ground. I knew, I knew there might, you know. That. So I've heard some Raiders players I've in the pack past say it was the immaculate deception a little bit. You know, oh, how about the, the immaculate extension? I'll give you a second one. That <laughs> there one's for you go. Sure. No, I, I won't. Uh, I won't talk on it anymore. But um, but the play that stands out to me is uh, another Seahawks play that I always think is hilarious. Was uh, was Hasselback in the playoffs against the Packers? Another OT game. He says, "We're gonna take the ball and we're gonna score." Oh yeah, yeah, pick yeah. six. Great, just a great <laughs> memory. I mean, how can you not love that? It's one of the more humorous ones, but it's definitely iconic. It's it's one of my favorites. It's it's so funny. That just, we're going to get the ball, and we're going to score. Throws a pick six, Two loses the game. <laughs> it's terrible, terrible game. I felt bad for the Seahawks. Again, I really liked the Seahawks, especially back then. But, um, but yeah, no, that, that's an iconic play for I'll sure. give you one more bonus iconic one, the butt fumble. All right, Camden, what's your last one? <laughs> uh, I'm going to stick with uh, interceptions in the Seahawks. I'm going with Malcolm Butler's Ooh. interception on the goal line to save uh, Super Bowl Forty Nine. I mean, that that play was so iconic. You still hear it to this day. The Seahawks should have ran the ball. Mm-hmm, I mm-hmm. still hear that on online. It's the to this debate day. to end all debates, yep. right there. That one will. That's like the Jordan versus LeBron. That Absolutely. will go on forever. Uh, there's so many memorable moments in the NFL. So many iconic plays, and DeAndre Hopkins' catch is going to be right beside them. Let's move on from today's top three, and let's give you the fadeaway three. Here are our three best bets of the weekend. Last weekend. I went 0 for 3. After going three straight weeks with no losing picks, I give you three losing picks. I uh, I have an excuse, though. We made those picks on Friday the 13th, so please, I'm back in my winning ways. I'm going 100%. I'll start quick. Bengals money line, plus 108 versus Washington football team. Bengals an underdog here with Burrow coming off his worst loss in probably two years. I like the Bengals a lot here. Burrow comes out on fire. Like I said, Double-digit win for the Bengals. Then I like the Saints minus 4.5 versus the Falcons. They've been on a point tear lately. They do have Jameis Winston, but honestly, with the way they run this offense, they can still succeed very well with him, especially against the Falcons. And my final fadeaway three pick is the Steelers versus Jaguars over 47.5. Now this one might seem a bit sketchy, but Ben Roethlisberger just came off his best performance in probably two years uh so he's I, I expect him to continue on the hot streak he usually gets better once the weather gets a little colder he's going to be in jacksonville but still uh i also think the jaguars have the talent to score points on this defense not a ton they won't win but over 47 and a half is my pick lucas i'm gonna go to you give us your three picks Oh yeah, I really like your picks, Tom. I think uh, I think the Jags have looked really good with Jake Luton. I think that offense has been a bit of a surprise. Uh, I don't know about the Saints Falcons. I think it'll be interesting to see what Jameis Winston does and how much they keep using Taysom Hill. So I feel like they'll kind of keep the same thing where there's not that much pressure on Winston, kind of like there wasn't for Breeze. No offense to Breeze, I still love him, but he doesn't have to make too many tough throws, mm-hmm. you know. And then. When we need a run, we need five yards, we're going to put Taysom Hill in and see what he does. So I like the Saints. I don't know about four and a half. That'll be interesting. But I really liked your first one, Bengals money line against the Washington football team. So I'm going to have to go with it as well. But I'm going to go with the spread. They're minus, or excuse me, they're plus one and a half. I got to take them against Washington. Like we said, Joe Burrow, bounce back game. 
I, I got I to gotta see him throwing two or three touchdowns in this game. Uh, I'm also going to go with the Packers, who are also underdogs. They're uh, plus two and a half against the Colts. I don't think the Colts are as good as some people see them. I know we talked about them a couple weeks ago, uh, that they were good. I think it was last week when they played on Thursday night. You know, mm-hmm. they, they didn't look too bad against the Titans, but I still like the Packers. I still like Aaron Rodgers. I still think he's an MVP candidate. And I'm going to stick with the underdogs. Raiders plus seven against the Chiefs. I don't think they're going to beat the Chiefs a second time, Mm -hmm. but this run game is looking really good. Devontae Booker, Josh Jacobs. Josh Jacobs is coming into his own again. And I I think seven is a lot of points, especially for a team that beat the Chiefs last time. So Mm -hmm. I'm taking them to cover the spread of plus seven against the Chiefs. I, I still think the Chiefs will win. Uh, but maybe by a field goal. I don't. I don't think they beat them by more than seven. I don't know. I could see the Raiders beating them again. I. I, I if could you want, well. you could place a uh, money line parlay on these and make serious money because these underdogs are very tempting to take. Camden, what are your three picks? Uh, I just want to start off by saying uh, I went two for three last week. So well, Dom, well, you went two for two. Two he, for two. One of his bets was a push. He got a bad beat in that build. Well, he kind of got lucky that I the lucky. Uh, Cardinals didn't kick that field goal. What real quick though? I got the worst beat of all time on that uh, Bills versus Cardinals under 56 at half. It was at 56 points exactly before Kyler's throw to DeAndre Hopkins. Come on. <laughs> I uh, mean, if we're gonna talk about bad beats, I mean, I took the Lions when I when mm-hmm. I wrote it down. I had them at minus four and a half against Washington. By the time the podcast was filmed, it was minus two and a half. They mm-hmm. won by a field bad goal. Beat so. Technically, you know, I, I, I might be able to put that in the win column, but I'm, I'm gonna, I'll am gonna, i take the loss. It's all right. It's fine. Don't worry about it. Camden, let's it's hear your better, three. Better excuse than Friday the 13th. So, uh, <laughs> uh, I'm going to go with uh, the opposite of uh, Lucas's pick. I'm going to go Washington minus one versus the Bengals. Like I said earlier, both teams are hungry. Washington's hungry, hungrier. Uh, I'm going with the Rams plus 3.5 versus the Buccaneers. The Buccaneers are in a cycle of one day, one game they come out and dominate, the next game they come out and crap the bed. So uh, this is the week to crap the bed, so I'm going with the Rams. Uh, and then I'm going with Patriots versus versus Texans under 48. Uh, both these teams' uh, offensives, have, offenses have been slacking this year, so I can't see them uh, scoring over 48 points. Yeah, some of these lines are sketchy, but I do like the Patriots versus Texans under. That seems like a lock right there. So there are some great games coming up for Week 11. Sorry we, uh, we aren't previewing the next week yet. We think that the recaps are where the content lies. We think that's what you want to hear. But that concludes the Fadeaway 3. Please gamble responsibly. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. You must be 21 or older to gamble. This isn't an ad for gambling. And that concludes our podcast this week. This one went a little bit long. We talked a lot about Week 10. But next week, we'll be back answering your tweets, your voicemails, Follow us at North Shore Pod on Twitter. And brand new, we have an Instagram. Follow us there at North Shore Station to stay up to date with what we're doing and maybe potential giveaway in the future. So we got some really exciting stuff planned. We are now on all streaming platforms, so that's super exciting. And we will be back right here, same spot, same time, next week for episode six. Thank you very much and have a great night. Boy, it's cool. On the rap track, yeah. all the guys that would hate now I laugh at. Oh. All the girls that would dash trying to Snapchat. Cause I'm blowing like the Dukes, I got mad stats. Oh. I got mad racks, Ooh. I got mad stacks. Mad Cause stacks. I'm blowing like the Dukes, I can shoot like the troops, I can pull up in a coupe. Yeah, I'm riding in a hatchback. New roof, mad black, but you can't catch that. Share this little song, that's a hashtag. hashtag.
so clean, undefeated home team Went to go get a signed shirt and they know me At the club, don't gotta flirt cause they know me Boy, I'm big news like post, no gusset Living like offset, dancing like the dude cats I just left a blonde girl, found me a brunette Cause she just asked for my name on her crew neck Yeah, on gang, on nose I sneeze cause my flow too cold And I'll put you on hold, don't play no games You know my name, I pull, I drain Cause I ball like James, like Hughes, like Songs way harder than Le'Veon's Tryna outrun TK in a marathon I be getting plays from the south like the Amazon And I'm getting clout for the low like it's Amazon You just have a gram of some clout, boy, get it by the pound Started from the bottom, really built from the ground Now my phone blows up when I pull up in my town Did he say he wants a shout out? Boy, I'm not sincere, I won't carry you around Is my last name Fleck? Do I look like a clown? If you see me and Max, then you won't make a sound, no cap Jail next to campus. Yeah. I'm a whole star, got the world on my atlas. If money is the art, then my drip is the canvas. Both pockets fat, keep the balance. No cap. Gave me lemons, so I showed up in the limelight. Fight night, bright lights, one of Ben's and all white. She got the wet, slip and slide to her doorstep. Haynes four pack, the way she about to give the crew a neck. Falling on them like a preseason. Send a sprint and have a wheezing, got your heart beating. Started acting odd once I started getting even. I'm cutthroat, now applying pressure for the beat. Yeah. Avatar, I wake up in my eyes. Spending large, I don't care what's the price. No, I don't. Watch me get a million in the night. All my dogs know we bite. Super ball for life.